So welcome to a very long overdue podcast from Michelle, your Slack Tart the Medium. Uh, yeah, I screwed that up on purpose. And um, it's just time to get back into the rhythm and routine of making podcasts, or so I always like to think I'm going to do. Um, before I get anywhere, just wanted to point out that I have created a subreddit for this podcast on uh, Reddit, and I will include it in the link below. And um, it's... Uh, the, Link, that's great. I'm going to leave that blooper in, but I'm going to leave it in the description box below for everybody to check it out that is interested in checking it out. I created it because it, I figured it would give a private a place for people to keep their anonymity. Um, and I can never quite pronounce that word right. Yes, I had speech therapy as a child. And just somewhere to go to talk about the, uh, episodes, questions, ask me questions if I'm around and available to answer them. Um, you know, and stuff like that. So that'll be there for people to hang out and, you know, and I will post when a new podcast comes up or if there's something interesting. Uh, I just developed, I, I started that back in June, I want to say, and it has just taken me this long to be able to get out a podcast that's solid. I mean, I started, a, I did a podcast back in August and it sucked. It just was rambling. It was all over the place. It sucked. And I said, let's put this to the side for a while. In the meantime, I've just been trying to be normal, whatever that is, and focus on the things that were in front of my face that I've been ignoring. I haven't been really doing a whole lot in terms of sensitivity, in terms of focusing on it. It's just been in the background and, um, you know, just the usual day-to-day conversation with the peanut gallery that goes by the name of Ken that lives in my head. Yeah. Anyway. So, um... Speaking of Ken, the, the the reason I was trying to get back to the podcast after the last one, but then in, there's a stretch period of time where it's exactly three weeks from the date of his death to his birth to, uh, to the date of his death from his birthday. His birthday comes first, date of death comes exactly three weeks after. Uh, then there's my birthday. Then there's a family member birthday. And there's other stuff that goes on that just kind of said, this is not a good time to try to do anything. So knock on wood, this is a good time. And maybe I will finally start looking into this researching of topics to talk about. And on that note, now that I've said my mea culpas of, of where have I been, let's get to talking about tonight's topic or today's topic, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and as I said in the last episode that I was going to be talking about, Ken, what life is like from, you know, after f- the physical from his perspective. And basically, let's trying to answer some unspoken questions uh, that we really don't think about. So we're going to start by talking about what is life like? And also, I have a very creaky chair. So if that gets picked up and I'm trying to move something out of the way here. If it gets picked up, I apologize. I can't really do a whole lot about it. So, you know, maybe it's it's not gas, if that's what you're thinking. It's my chair. Promise you. All right. So back to the topic at hand, which is Mr. Ken, and um, talking about what it is like to be dead. And now he is laconic, sarcastic, and sometimes cynical, although I think I can um, outdo him in the cynical and sarcastic part. Um, sometimes things will be tongue-in-cheek, sometimes things will be actual, I just, he's just a smart ass. So, having said that, 
I'm going to give my mental floor over to him, <clears throat> him, and uh, we're going. But I am going to structure this because the last time we did it, it was unstructured and it was hot garbage, dumpster fire hot garbage. And um, I'm going to start out with the basics of what it is like to be dead and um, let it go from there. So I'm going to turn off myself and I'm just going to let him flow, which should be interesting because I usually don't because otherwise I never shut him up. Okay, let's get started. Um, so the what it is like to be dead in is... And I'm, I'm going to have to pause this because he's actually stuttering. Oh, my God. And we're back after a brief moment. Okay. The difference between being alive and being dead in terms of the physicality, we're going to start there. And for him, he feels the difference, but he doesn't. Because some people who are listening may have heard the, the phrase from the dead that we're dead and they are alive because they don't have the... They don't have the restrictions that we do, but they have everything in life that we do. So Ken will tell you that when it comes to bodily functions, yeah, oh God, the imagery of him sitting at a table eating a Polish sausage and Chicago style and um, belching after drinking the beer and the garlic from the, the, the is there garlic in a Polish, Some the spices, whatever, is pretty much what is normal. Is He does the same things. Um, you know, but the, the need for biological functions isn't there. So when you are on the other side and you don't have a physical body and you belch, you fart, you poop, you pee, it's just not quite the same because there's not, there's depth lacking. However, that doesn't mean you can't do it or you do it just like you would when you're alive because you're really not thinking about it. You feel like you're still alive. You still like you have a body. So you do the things that your body would tell you to do. But the, the biggest difference, and he calls, he's always pointing this out, is that there's a lack of depth. There is a lack of resonance, as he would say, in the, uh, as a physical body. So you get the satisfaction of releasing gas. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but you don't get the, um, the, the nervous, central nervous system release of, of getting rid of something that was irritating. So... It, that's what you don't get when you're dead. However, if you don't think about it too much, you don't really miss it you, because it is just a function and it still happens. Do you want, it, if you want to be somebody who doesn't have to deal with these things, you just make sure you don't pay attention to the, the as he puts it, not ironically, the ghost sensations in your body that remind you that you're still, you were, you were human once and you can still do these things. The difference, he says, is that you don't do it for sustenance in the sense that you do it to keep alive. You do it for the pleasure of it. So you get to miss out on the, the, the need to eat and you can go for as long as you want without eating. And you don't really, eh, he says you do diminish a little bit because you still need to consume energy to stay alive. And that's what we do here. We consume energy in the form of plants and, and meats and, um, other kinds of and liquids to keep ourselves functional. So it's just energy in a dense form. And it's, it's the same for him over there. He still cooks. He still goes to the store. He still picks up stuff for eating, on, you know, when he feels like it or when I'm not eating anything he's agreeing in agreement with. Uh, thanks, buddy. 
and um, he's not hitchhiking on people for for that for the experience. Sometimes he does that. Sometimes he doesn't. It just depends on his mood. And he's a moody bitch, so I will give him that. Anyway, before I get smacked, let me move on. Um, so in terms of the physical functionality, in, <clears throat> in terms of going to the restroom, in terms of going to sleep, in terms of eating, the things we need to do through the day, even dressing up, getting getting dressed, is pretty much the same. There's You, you won't find a whole lot of difference. In, uh, sorry. He, as I'm, he's like assuming that people who are listening are going to know this there's really not a whole lot of difference between life and death in terms of your physical uh in terms of how it feels it's just you feel the same and you feel the same for there's just really no change again he's coming back around to this and i will say this one more time just for emphasis on it there's just the lack of depth you don't get that deep satisfaction, but it's something that you learn to move on from and you don't really care after a while. So he's been gone long enough that he's at the point of, I'm only caring because I'm staying close to this side of things, meaning our side of the fence, the physical side, and I may as well enjoy my time by experiencing stuff close up and personal. So it's a little little um, cryptic, but I kind of know what he's saying. In terms of when we pass, it's painful to stay near the people we love because we have to. We can't influence them in the one way in the way we did. Even though when we're dead, it really doesn't matter. But you still have a hard time watching shit go down, or people argue, or people doing stupid things that you used to be able to talk them out of, or you just could avoid by you know, or get around just normal human interaction that happens on the other side as well but in the difference is you can't affect the people that are living so it's frustrating it's why a lot of people will cross over and move a distance away and not really and, and keep an eye on people but they don't stay close for day-to-day -day living unless they want to and they can put up with it so there's a little bit of torture for him in that regard emotional torture and i will say that in that it is just from what I've experienced from when he's had something go down with his own family that uh, not the most peaceful group. Um, and he comes to me to talk about it and like, I'm sorry, it just sucks. But I, you know, that's another side of a coin. It's optional. There's no danger. There's no punishment for being, for staying here apart from the ones that you kind of inflict on yourself in a sense. So, um, I don't even know what I just said, and, but yeah, normal part for the course. So we're going to move on from the physical stuff, how the changes are, to personalities. Um, and this is where he is interesting because his, um, his father was uh, mentally disordered and uh, was, um, it's like, how do I, how is, okay, he's screwing me up here. Do you want me to talk about this or not? Okay, sorry about that. I will leave the pause in because he's getting permission here, so to speak. Um, his father was bipolar. His father, and he's fine with me talking about this, committed suicide at um, um, a reasonably early age because he couldn't, um, he just couldn't live anymore with what was going on in his head. 
And <clears throat> so when his, when he came home some years later, Ken that is, and came into contact with his father, he really didn't want anything to do with him because of how nasty he was in life, and he didn't want to get, listen to the excuses in death. And when it comes down to it, his father is still um, in that state of mind frequently. He'll, he will straighten himself out, but because he's, his, the energy becomes so habituated, the activity of, of being um, mentally different, bipolar, schizophrenic, even me with autism, um, that will always be something that is with me going forward after this physical existence has ended. It is the same with his father. Um, so, and I have run and have had contact with people who have committed suicide, schizophrenia, bipolar, just random people, people in general, because, um, and it's, I've seen it firsthand, so to speak. It is, it is a thing that happens. People do not let go of that part of their mind. They're part of themselves because it is a part of themselves. It's not something that's changeable. It's not fixable. It's manageable for many. And you can get some people to be functional with it. You can get, but majority of people with bipolar disorder, they don't live a long time because they can't, they, they, they can't last physically, mentally, because it just gets worse with age. Autism can be worked on and you can bring somebody around to be more functional than they, they otherwise would be, but not always. Um, my case, obviously, I'm sitting here, I'm telling you I'm an, a female autist and not artist. Well, I am an artist, but anyway, uh, I am an aut I'm autistic and you wouldn't know it if you, unless you knew the signs in terms of my in, being with me in person, even. So some of us can be changed, some of us can't. And bipolar is one of the hardest, hardest ones along with schizophrenia. And, you know, people just don't want to stick around. And he's, 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 I know that was a bit of a sidetrack, but he's pointing this out. This is why his father committed suicide. And it, he was just one of a number of people with bipolar disorder that committed suicide, suicide, excuse me. So his father was a mean piece of work in life with, um, with the issues that were surrounding the bipolar disorder. And he suffered at the hands of his father and it only got worse over the years. And then he, his father got treatment and then committed suicide. And he has taken his time forgiving his dad about what had happened. So that is being brought up. And now that I've paused a second here and I'm back in my own brain, that is being brought up because he wants to discuss that um, the whole issue of having a close relation and, you know, family member, in this case, his father, the relationships between somebody who was mentally disordered when they were alive and when they are dead and you are dead with them. And we're just using dead for a shortcut. He'd like you to know because he's really not dead, you know, um, that it doesn't change, but you have more control over your interactions with them in terms of you don't have to, you don't have to be around them. You don't have to talk to them. I mean, you don't have to do this in life, but you're not forced to do this in death either. And he's segueing into something that I've talked about in the past because um, he'd like to end that topic because it's getting to a point he doesn't want to talk about. It. Okay, so um, what is another thing that a lot of people think, and it's, this has a lot to do with religion and promises made by um, religious leaders 
that we go to heaven and we become perfect. And he's the first one to call bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um, so we are who we are in not death. We are who we are in life. We don't change in that regard. We don't really have, we don't become perfect human beings or perfect angelic creatures. We just don't because there is no such thing as perfect. As people, as humans, um, we try to hold each, hold each other to high moral standards of a perfection that we will never attain. And we, <clears throat> and we like to use religion as a way to say, well, we have to strive to be perfect so we can get into heaven. It's kind of like, it's the core message here with religion is be perfect otherwise or else, even though hell is really just an invention of man's, uh, of men. And anything, you know, it's like hell, any of the punishment stuff is just a threat to keep us in line when we are alive. It really doesn't exist. I mean, anybody who thinks they're in hell after they've passed can walk right out of it, but they don't always believe it. I have uh, moved people cross people over who thought who were so afraid of crossing over because they thought they were so bad in life that they needed to go to hell and that crossing into the light was just a trap because of religion and that's it's a shame it's, and i'm you know and i think in some ways religion is changing to the degree about that but it's not enough meanwhile when we go over we don't grow wings we don't sit on a cloud and play harps we just are we are who we are we we go into a state of confusion for a little bit because of the transition and it's a little bit again like being born again but not really and physically born you but you do have to get adjusted to the reverse of having a body uh and not having one after so many years of having a body it's an adjustment no two ways about it and you know, so and he went through it himself it was he said it was a little crazy when he went, went over because it just was. There are reasons he really doesn't want to discuss right now. Um, nothing bad. It's just sometimes he doesn't even, it, he, he still wonders about it himself and it's not up for discussion. So we're not going to talk about it. But he will say that, you know, the, the moments after his death, and I've talked about this and I think in another podcast, was him staring at himself on the, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the hospital bed going, what the fuck? So he will say that much and he doesn't mind talking about that but we're going to keep the rest of what he experienced to himself because it's different for everybody his experience is not what other people experience so you know even my even me and he's telling me this even me as a medium who is fully aware of what life on the other side is like and the transition and all that stuff he says i'm going to go through my own shock and i'm like well you know what do you do you just deal with it so let's move on to the next one um for him um okay so we're the the next segment here we're going to talk about what do you do on a daily basis when you're dead and you do what you did in life as he says you go now before anybody groans and goes oh that's shitty that sucks no that can't be like that you go and do the things you are good at. You go and do things that you love. And for some of us who enjoyed the, you know, needed to work to, needed to go to work to feel like we were productive. Because honestly, 
our one of our core purposes of life, and this is me talking, is to do things. It's to create. It's to invent. It's to make stuff. It is to help make the world a better place. Because even though people think that they don't do anything to leave a legacy behind, we all do. We, in our own small ways, leave our mark on the world and leave it a better place. And having no, you know, and I'm going to just carry on for a second. Going, knowing my history like I do, because I used to do a lot of historical research, um, I would say, yeah, that's very true. Because we've, um, the, the improvements in our quality of life through science, the improvements in our life through treating people better, the moving away from certain ideologies, the fact that we're losing our Victorian um, mindsets, which because uh, baby boomers are the grand grandchildren of Victorians and Victorians were very morally uptight. Um, you know, and as we as each generation is born, we get away from that and we have a new way of thinking. And there's no wrong or right with older ways of thinking or antique ways of thinking. It's just what the thought processes were in that period. That's all. But we get better as humans. We become more forgiving. We become more uh, accepting of things. And we look forward to a future that's different than the one that came behind us. And you would say, is that, you know, would that be the meaning of life? I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But that is just one of the, the purpose. That is purpose for uh, why we are here. I wouldn't call it the meaning, but I would say it's one of the keys things of why we come to do what we do. And he also feels that the, his children's generation will leave this planet a better place. Um, and that it, the, um, the start of new stuff and better ways of thinking is coming. So anyway, this is just all of a sudden got shifted into my head and I'm not consciously doing that. Eh, the life of a medium. All right, so let's go back to daily life for somebody who's dead. And like I was talking about before I got sidetracked, is that um, the, oh boy, yeah, stop tripping me up, will you? Daily life on the other side is the daily life that you're familiar with here. You, you, you don't have to, now, there's no time on the other side. The knowledge you go home with when you die um is collective and it's used to do whatever the hell it is you want on the other side. If you want to put on your suit and tie and commute to the office every day in traffic, rush hour traffic, like you once did when you were alive, you are, you do it. If you um, want to be a hippie with um, Oh God, he, he's showing me the 1970 version of a hippie living in a commune. And I know that the, that whole concept of has changed over the years, but I'm going back to my childhood and his adult, his early adulthood for this. So if you want to live like that, uh, you can. Um, there's somebody I know who um, has passed on a long time ago and he does not, he's crossed over. He does not come to this side of things very often. So I really haven't had much in the way of conversations with him, but he's on a planet um, or an existence or a plane of whatever you want to call it, where he, it's all BDSM all the time because this is what he loves. So go for it, man. That's all I got. So if there's something that you want to do all the time, you'd go do it. 
And one of the things that he will say is that we humans are a boring lot in the sense that we don't really do, um, we don't expand ourselves to, or explore as much as we do because we let ourselves get limited. And I'm like, well, the body's a limited thing. But anyway, he, as he says, there are things out there that exist that you can't even imagine. Uh, no, we are not the only things that have life in this universe. We are just isolated in our own galaxy and our own technologies keep us from finding other signs of life as it is for them. And that's kind of intentional because we're not, we're not Star Trek yet. We are not ready for exploring other galaxies and finding other signs of life. It's just, we're not really a thing. Uh, for us yet. And we all need to, you know, develop independent of one another. We humans are, are actually a little more advanced, I guess, than other... God, this is so, sounds so freaking weird because I avoid alien talk so hard. Um, but there's other stuff out there that we may... We, we only really interact with when we're not in the physical. So the sky is the limit when it comes to what's out there. And something he wants to point out is he frequently runs into fantasy worlds, including mine. And what I mean by that is that when we don't recognize the power of our mind as humans in terms of what we can do and what we create. Uh, all right, I'm going to pause here for a moment because what is coming next is totally not me. It is from him, and he would like for this to be understood because there is power in what we all do, and it's fun, and it's cool, and we have complete control over it. So, just about every person reads comics. Just about every person gets into a fantasy world of their own. They create it in their mind, and now this is kind of Tulpa stuff, but not really. This is a little different. Uh, and this, we, we create internal worlds with with people and and buildings and existences you know we create cities we create we, we think of ourselves we daydream of ourselves in our fantasy land that creation of a fantasy land that's actually astral travel you are creating these at these fantasy lands out there and the people on the other side encounter them all the time so when you're dreaming about something and you're running into people you don't know, you actually do know them. You know them from the fantasy world. But you don't have a consciousness of knowing people that you don't know. They're just strangers to you. And you're, this happens primarily during dreaming. So if you are dreaming and you're walk, walk, running around walking into people and you're like, oh, hey, how's it going? And you don't know them from Adam. It's because it's a part of a fantasy world that you once created. Now... These things are all connected to you, but they are very much 3D, 4D, 5D, he says, or whatever, whatever D you like. Ha! Ah. And it, um, it's interactive. So it's kind of a fun thing for the non-physical to go do is to check out somebody's world and interact with them. It's kind of trolling in its own way, which is totally up his alleyway. God dang. Anyway, so yes. When we do this stuff, no matter how small or big it is, no matter how lame or com lame, interesting, uninteresting, boring, complex, simple, it's we create this and it does have an existence somewhere. 
I couldn't tell you where that is. I just know that it's not necessarily on our plane of existence. It's in another dimension. And I'm going to start talking like old space TV series. <clears throat> or just say pigs in space. It's show my age. Anyway. Um, so he, that's something that I know he does with me because I know that when I would try to fall asleep in the early days after his passing, I would revert to my internal stories because I, I can't sleep. So I'm just making stuff up or thinking I'm making stuff up and he's inserting himself in him, which is like, how the hell? What the, what, how? I, no, you're a figment of my imagination. I'm just putting you in there because I need you right now and you, I can't have you physically, so I'm going to put you in my imagination. No, I was wrong. He was a walk-on part, uh, <laughs> as he sings the lyrics, walk-on part in the war from Pink Floyd. Um, but he walked in and made himself at home and just let me do what I was going to do in terms of dialogue or whatever. He didn't interfere. He just played a role to try to help me get through the first you know couple of weeks or so after his passing so if you do that with somebody who you love and has lost to death it is a valid thing what is going on is actually happening and he enjoy and they enjoy the death the dead enjoy it because you get to interact with your loved ones again so but it's hard to maintain not everybody can keep it up through every night it's okay just do it so, uh, on that note, I guess, because um, I'm getting to the half hour mark, there's not much that he has to uh, add here. Um, and, okay, he's done. And this is a much better one than the last time. Every, the last one was all over the place. So, most of this, I'd say about 85% of this whole podcast is him. Um, I'm just passing along what he has to say and relaying so for his perspective on things and to kind of give people an idea of what it's like to be dead. And his, his immediate response to that? Boring. Well, I guess. He's being, I, I can't tell if he's just being a, a, a troll or actual, but you know, the same things that happen in life happen in death. They just don't change. And he's not going to, you know, it's like things don't change until the loved ones come home and you're all together again to go party. So, and as he sadly says, or says sadly, that some of his friends are starting to come home as well because they all lived hard, hard lives in terms hard and fast in the, in his youth, seventies and eighties. And, uh, the body just can't keep up with it. So on that note, um, Oh, Jesus. Okay, so just just for funsies, this actually was something he reminded me of something from a, a, that I was saw recently, talking about uh, Elvis with somebody, and he showed me an image of Elvis in his prime, wearing but the jumpsuit, but looking great, leaning down uh, and reaching out to a fan, and while well, he held the microphone in his hand because Elvis loves performing. And he's still doing it now. So he wants people to pro he wants people to know that this is why we do what we do and why we don't change because we do what we love. And for all of us that are younger and are watching our legends grow old and die, 
we know that when it's our time to come home, we can go see them and the price of the concert ticket doesn't matter. So on that note, I'm going to end it because I don't know if it can get any more perfect than that. And until next time, and I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about yet, but I will work it out. Um, and hopefully not take four months to do it. I think I took almost four months on this one. Anyway, be well. Hope everybody is enjoying life as we look at COVID in our rearview mirrors. And uh, I mean, it'll never go away, but we can at least not worry about getting sick to the point where we're screwed. So take care. Love y'all. Thanks for coming back and listening once again. And uh, we will talk soon, maybe on the Reddit. Take care.